Amazing. So, today I am going to start a brand new series and it's possibly something that we should have kicked off when we first started meeting again in person, um, you know, 10 weeks ago it was now. Um, but I think with the kind of restrictions that we still had in place and, and everything that was kind of going on, running the hybrid church of in-person and online and, and all that we kind of went through in those first kind of few weeks, the timing didn't kind of feel quite right. But now it feels right, so I thought I'd bring this, this message. So for the next three weeks, I'm going to speak on the title, Reboot. Reboot. Anyone who has ever worked with computers or technology will know that if something goes wrong, what do you do? You turn it off and you turn it on again. And 99% of the time, that will fix all of your problems. You just need to have a reboot. The dictionary definition of reboot is this. To start something again or to do something again in a way that is new and interesting. I like that. And then reset, which is a very similar word. The definition is to make a new, fresh start due to changed circumstances, opportunities, or priorities. Now that, to me, sounds very fitting for where we are at in this kind of stage of life and the world. And I don't know about you, but it reminds me of that verse in Isaiah 43. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Since the first lockdown began back in March 2020, can you believe almost 18 months to the day? I think it's this Thursday, it'll be 18 months on the nose. We've navigated all kinds of trials and challenges. We've suffered loss. We've seen increased anxiety and depression, loneliness, isolation, financial difficulties, fear, doubt, confusion. We have kind of navigated and and rode the waves of all of this stuff for the past 18 months but now kind of coming out of all of that coming out of what it is that we've been through I believe that we've got an opportunity and actually we've already started to take it in some ways to hit reboot to hit reboot to close down all of the tabs and the apps and the windows that we had open on our life computer of relationships, of activities, of commitments, of, of habits, and to hit reboot, to hit reboot and to start again, to begin again, to have a fresh start. I'm going to try and avoid that cliche of a new normal, but essentially that is kind of what we're getting at. We've gone with reboot, it's a cooler title. Rick Warren described the global pandemic as a global time out. I don't know if the parents in the room, if you use time out as a a strategy for keeping your kids in check, but Warren suggests that this pandemic has been a global time out. We've all been sent to our rooms to just calm down a little bit, to take stock of our life, to maybe think about our responsibilities and our attitudes. And so as we come out of this, as we come out of this, God isn't interested in us resuming our old way of living, our old way of doing things. And so instead of picking things up where we left up, God is giving us this opportunity to reboot our lives. 
And actually, it's something we've already started doing here at Hope Church as we have, uh, you know, reworked the way we do teams and we're kind of refreshing how it is that we're going to run life groups. That's all part of Hope Church Lytham hitting that reboot button and it's an exciting time. And so for us now as individuals, each and every one of us here, we've got this opportunity for a divine reboot, if you will to reconfigure, to reset our lives at a better level, a better life, version 2.0. God wants us to be the most productive, the most effective, the most fruitful that we could possibly be in every, every area of our lives for his glory. That's what he wants. And I don't know if you've realized this, but God specializes in rebooting. Throughout scripture, we, we see the, the evidence of God rebooting his people. We see it in Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. We saw it with Noah, with Moses, with the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. All of these things are reboots. And the good news is that a divine reboot is always for our benefit and for his glory. This iPad is doing weird things. It's like selected something and I can't undo it. I need to reboot it, don't I? <laughs> can't write this stuff, can you? Sometimes the opportunity to reboot our lives is, is grace. Because my mic died. <laughs> oh, wow. Just switch the whole system off and on again. Oh, my gosh. One, two. One, two. We're on. Sometimes the opportunity to reboot is because of technology's failures. <laughs> Sometimes it's because of grace. But our struggle in our humanity is that we always want to go back to the familiar, to what's easy, to what we know best. But God's encouraging us into the unknown, the kind of scariness of what we are unfamiliar with. But reboots are not about going back to the normal, the comfortable, what it is that we knew. But instead, it's kind of pushing into and pressing into the way that things are supposed to be. And as followers of Jesus, we have to move in the direction that God is leading us, don't we? Instead of moving back to where we used to be, we've got to hit reboot. Everyone say reboot. Yeah, okay. Carl Bard said this, he said, although no one can go back and make a brand new start, anyone can start from now and make a brand new ending. I love that. What he's saying is we can't go back and change what's happened in our past. But what we can do is we can choose that from today, from this moment, from right now, we can change our future. And so for this first part in the series, I'm going to look at lessons from Noah and the flood. And we're just going to pull out four things that we can learn from this story that I'm sure many of us know so well. So turn with me in your Bibles, if you've got them, to Genesis chapter 6. It's quite a long story. It's quite a long portion of scripture. So I'm going to skip over a few bits, but make sure that we get a gist of what it is that's going on here. So we're going to start at Genesis Chapter 6, verse 9, it says this. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. 
Noah walked with God, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. And then he goes on to give this instruction, this detailed plan of what the ark should look like, what it should be made of, how many rooms, etc., etc. Jump into verse 17. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die, but I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark and keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kind, of the animals according to their kind, of every creeping thing of the ground according to its kind, although he probably could have avoided some of them and wiped them out, but he chose not to. That's his will. Two of every sort shall come in to you to keep them alive. Also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this, and he did all that God commanded him. And then we see Noah going through and following the instructions, building the ark, gathering up the animals. And then in chapter 7, verse 15, they went into the ark with Noah, two and two of all flesh, in which there was the breath of life. And those that entered male and female of all flesh went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. The flood continued 40 days on the earth. The waters increased and increased and bore up the ark and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and increased greatly on the earth and the ark floated on the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed so mightily on the earth that all the high mountains under the whole heaven, whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed above the mountains, covering them 15 cubits deep. And all flesh died that moved on the earth. Birds, livestock, beasts, all swarming creatures that swarmed the earth, and all mankind. Everything on dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of life died. He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, man, animals, creeping things, and birds of the heavens. They were blotted out from the earth, and only Noah was left, and those who were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. Chapter 8. But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of the heaven were closed. The rain from the heavens was restrained and the waters receded from the earth continually. At the end of 150 days, the waters had abated. And in the seventh month, on the 17th day of that month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. And the waters continued to abate until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. At the end of 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark, and he, made, he had made and sent forth a raven. 
it went to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. Then he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground. But the dove found no place to set her foot, and she returned to the ark, for the waters were still on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and brought her into the ark with him. He waited seven more days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark, and the dove came back to him in the evening, and in her mouth was a freshly plucked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the waters had subsided from the earth. Then he waited another seven days, sent forth the dove, and she did not return to him any more. In the 601st year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried from off the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. In the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth had dried out. Then God said to Noah, go from the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds, animals, creeping things that creep on the earth, that they may swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out with all of his family and every beast. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal, some of every clean bird, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelt the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intentions of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. There we go. That is the gist of the story of Noah's Ark, a reminder or maybe a fresh hearing for some. I don't know about you, but I am thankful for this promise that God made with Noah. Can you imagine what that flood must have been like for those not on the ark? That must have been hideous. So what we're seeing here is God Almighty getting to the the point with his creation, with mankind, where enough is enough. After Adam and Eve had messed up in the Garden of Eden and sin came into the world, it just seemed to be this downward spiral to the point where God decided, that's it, I'm going to wipe everything out and start again. The very first reboot in the Gospel, in the Bible. And I think it can be hard for us to understand this story, perhaps, and, uh, and maybe the purpose and, and what was going on in God's mind, because thankfully we live, don't we, in a season of grace. We live under God's grace. But the reality is that God is all-powerful, and his vengeance is real, and his vengeance is just. He cannot and he will not tolerate sin. And so in the days of Noah, he made this decision, as harsh as it may seem to us, to hit reboot, to wipe everything and everyone out with the exception of one man and his family and the animals. Noah, who was described here as a righteous man, blameless in his generation. The New Living Translation said the only blameless person living on the earth at that time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. Right from the outset of this story, we're seeing the importance of a relationship with God. The importance of a relationship with God. Not that we need to be perfect in order to avoid being wiped out. We simply need to have a personal relationship with God. To know him, to trust him, to love him. 
So the very first lesson that we can pull out from this story of the flood, this first global reboot, as simple as it may seem, and perhaps as often as we say it from this platform, is the importance of walking closely with God. It cannot be emphasized enough that first and foremost, we have to love God. The greatest commandment, to love God. So ask yourself, does God have priority in your life? Be honest. Does he have priority in your life? Do you put him first? Do you think about him first? Do you go to him first? When you wake up in the morning, is the first thing that you pick up your phone or your Bible? When you are facing a problem, a challenge, a a difficult situation, do you go to God first? Or is he like a last resort? When you're planning your, your week and you're diarizing your life, are you prioritizing time with God? Is, is church on that list of non-negotiable items or actually are you letting it fall down the pecking order in favor of work or sport or a lie-in? Even though we live under the grace of God, we can still learn from Noah to be intentional about living a life that is blameless, a life that is righteous, a life that is in close relationship with God. So firstly, love God, prioritize him, build a personal relationship with him. And the second lesson that I believe we can pull out of this story is around this idea of obedience. And I I suppose kind of an additional tag on to that is actually the challenge to be obedient to God to trust God even when it doesn't make sense. Even when it doesn't make sense, even when the task seems so big, it's on a scale that you could never possibly achieve. And so we we saw, we kind of skipped over this section, but God gave a detailed description, this blueprint of of how this mammoth of a boat should, should be built. It was like one and a half football pitches long. It was taller than your average modern-day four-story house. It was bigger than the ship that uh, the the farmers went on, on their cruise just now, but slightly smaller than the Titanic. Just to kind of give you some kind of idea of, of what this ship looked like, it was a mammoth task. And actually, if you find yourself in northern Kentucky, and for some reason you're there, someone has built a life-size replica of the Ark. It's like a tourist attraction. You can go and see this thing. It cost them $100 million to build this life-size Ark, but you can go and you can, you can visit that. Has anyone seen the movie Evan Almighty? I love that movie. I mean, it's not totally biblically accurate, but it's a good movie, and Steve Carell is hilarious as always, but in this movie, he plays a kind of Noah character. God gives him this beard that no matter how often he shaves, it grows back. He wears this kind of brown hessian sack that looks absolutely ridiculous, and, and he is told by God to build an ark in like 20, 21st century America to build an ark and people are looking at him and they're laughing at him and they're saying how foolish he is. It's the middle of summer. There's not a cloud in the sky. It's definitely not going to rain. And he's saying there's a flood coming. You've got to get on this ark that I have built. Save yourselves. And they're pointing and they're laughing and the, the news crews gather around to film this day when he said the flood is coming and he's kind of stood there pronouncing it and they're just laughing at him. I wouldn't spoil the ending, you should watch it, it's hilarious. But the reality is, 
that it's kind, of, it's kind of similar. You can kind of see some things going on here. But actually, when you read this, this story of Noah's Ark, we don't know what people thought of him. We don't know what people were saying about him as he built this ginormous ship. But I can imagine that it was a little bit like the guys from the movie, that they were probably pointing and laughing and saying, what an absolute lunatic. But we are called to trust God, even when it doesn't make sense. Even when it doesn't make sense. Proverbs chapter 3, 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Luke eleven twenty eight. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Obedience is so important here. We can't just hear from God. We've got to obey. We've got to put his words into action to faithfully do what it is he's calling us to do. So perhaps right now in September 2021, as we go through this global reboot, maybe God is saying something new to you. Or maybe God is kind of reminding you of something that he told you before, but you put it on the back burner because of whatever reason, whatever fear or doubt or uncertainty was going on. But ask yourself, what is God saying to you right now? What is he speaking into you? What is he speaking into your souls? He's calling you to trust him. He's calling you to obey, to step out in faith to move past the fear, to move past the doubt. So we've got to walk closely with God. We've got to act obediently to God. And thirdly, we need to wait patiently on God. Theologians seem to agree that the actual building of the ark would have taken somewhere between 50 and 75 years. That is a mammoth task. That is some patience right there. But that is just the build-up. That's not the reboot that we're talking about in this story. The reboot is the story that we know so well that the flood lasted 40 days and 40 nights, didn't it? But if you reread the story, you'll see that the reality is from the moment they got on the ark to the moment they got off the ark was somewhere more like the region of a year. Not the 40 days and 40 nights that's in our head. There were 40 days and 40 nights of flood, yes. But then the waters stuck around on the earth for 150 days more. And then there was further time waiting for it to actually die down and disappear. And then there was like 40 days before he sent out the raven. And then there were a couple of weeks sending out the dove back and forth. And so all that kind of adds up to this period of around a year. This was not a rushed job. This was not bish, bash, bosh, job done. This was a process. This was something that took time. And Noah required patience. That's the lesson, I believe, the third point, I believe, we can draw from this. Paul says in his letter to the Romans, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. In Colossians 3.12, therefore, as God's chosen people, Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and what? Patience. Patience. I believe it's the same for us as it was for Noah, that throughout this reboot, throughout this global reboot, there is a perseverance. There is a waiting, almost with, almost with bated breath, 
are waiting for, for what's going to happen next with anticipation, with expectation of what it is that God's going to do next. I'm doing a new thing. Can you perceive it? Can you hear it? Can you see it? It took a whole year for things to get in place where they were safely able to exit the ark and move into what was next for their lives. So I encourage you, be patient. Don't get frustrated in the waiting season, but trust in God. And so what was next? They waited, they patiently waited for a year before they could exit the ark to then move into what was next. And so what was next? What was the plan after this initial reboot? It says in Genesis 8, 15, Then God said to Noah, Go out from the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you, all flesh, birds, animals, creepy things, that they might swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. Be fruitful and multiply on the earth. That was God's purpose. That was his instruction for them. After the reboot, after everything and everyone had been wiped off the face of the earth, his plan, his purpose, his instruction was go be fruitful and multiply on the earth. And it's this really beautiful echo, isn't it, of Genesis 1 on the sixth day of creation. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male, female, he created them. And God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That was what he wanted from the beginning. Then sin entered in and ruined it all. And so he rebooted. He switched it off and on again. He wiped it all clean. But his purpose was the same. To go out into this new world and to multiply and to be fruitful. And so I'm thankful for that promise that God will never wipe out all living things as he did back then. That, that symbol of the rainbow that reminds us just how much God loves us and that he will never again destroy the earth. I am thankful for that and I'm sure you are too. But actually we know that instead of that, instead of that kind of, uh, again, kind of wiping out of creation, of man, of animals, instead of that, even though sin is still present and it continues to be more and more prevalent on this earth that we live in, instead of there being a cost to humanity now, instead of there being a cost to us, God chose to sacrifice his son on the cross to pay the price so that we don't have to. It's not us who will die now, but Jesus who died to wipe out the judgment of God for our sins. How amazing is that? How amazing is that? I don't know about you, but I believe that perhaps this 18 months has been a bit like that flood. But now the ground is dry. The ground is dry and we should go out and be fruitful. And so what does that look like? What does it look like to, to be fruitful? We've said we need to cultivate a relationship with God. It says in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Out of that relationship 
with God, out of that personal and intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father, we can produce much fruit. And so what is that fruit? What is that fruit? In Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is what it looks like for us today to go out of this arc, to go out of this global reboot and to multiply and be fruitful. God is not saying go out and have lots and lots of babies. If you want to do that, then that's fine. But that is not what he's saying. He's saying go out and be fruitful and the fruit of God's spirit is all of these things. The result of spiritual fruitfulness is that God be glorified that God be glorified that we would grow and that others would come to know Christ that is the ultimate fruitfulness for us as children of God so we need to build and cultivate a personal relationship with Jesus I will say it again and again week in week out because you cannot disregard how important this foundation is for our lives as believers to personally cultivate that relationship. It comes with spending time, with investing energy and resource into God, reading your Bible, praying, coming to church, surrounding yourselves with like-minded believers. Build that personal relationship with God. We need to be obedient. What's God saying to you? What does that fruitfulness look like in your life as individuals? Because he's got a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. And he's speaking something into your life. And we need to be obedient and walk in that by faith. Even when it sometimes looks ridiculous and scary and impossible. He is a way maker like we sang already today. And we need to be patient. God's timing is perfect. I think sometimes we can want to get to the finish line, can't we? We just want to get there. I just want to achieve fruitfulness. But that is not what a life in God looks like. It's a process. It's a journey. It takes time. It takes patience. So we need to wait and trust in God. And then finally, we need to be fruitful. We need to go out there and actually do this thing. We need to put our, our words and our thoughts into action into those around us, our friends, our families, our colleagues, our school friends. We need to be being fruitful in our world, whatever that looks like. So let's grasp hold of this opportunity, this reboot that we have been through and as we come out of it, the power is switched back on now. It's time to wake up, O oh sleeper, and get to action. Amen? Why don't we pray? Father God, we thank you for this incredible opportunity that we get to be a part of. We thank you that you have given us a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us as individuals as well as a local church. And so God, I pray that you will speak loudly and clearly into our lives that we might know without a shadow of a doubt what it is that you are calling us to do, who it is that you are calling us to be. Help us to cultivate that personal relationship to draw closer to you so that we know who we are and whose we are. And then out of that relationship to have the boldness and the courage and the faith to be obedient to you, to what it is that you are calling us to do, 
to go out of this ark, to step out of this reboot and to multiply and to be fruitful, that your kingdom will come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven.